keep going. I just love this track by Michael. He does all our music for the Keep Going podcast. And welcome back. It's summer in Central Texas. It's hot, hot, hot. But you know, weather just is. So this episode's a first for us. We take a listener question about a specific training method, in this case, the Maffetone method, and we discuss Michael's experience training with it for, I think, between 12 and 24 months. We break it down, and then we share our views on the pluses and the minuses of the method. So this is the next episode in our systems series. We'd love to know what your thoughts are and what you think we might should cover next in the series. If you want to reach out, you can reach us at sisson at telosrunning.com. We sincerely hope we hear from you. So pull up a chair, sit down, and join us around the table for this conversation that we're calling the Systems 04. Maffetone and the Maximum Aerobic Function. Godspeed, my friends. Godspeed. Do you know the last few episodes we've we've had, they've uh, come in, I mean, I think every one of our episodes has come in with some kind of snort, chortle, laughter. Uh, yeah. Some kind of like, weird, it's very strange to do what we just did where it's like. Feels professional. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> we need to, we need to end that. Yeah. Fuck professionalism that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> We're the anti-professional podcast. Press record. We're not ready. So Michael, this week we've, we promised it last week, but we just, number one, I hadn't been prepared. And then number two, we just, you had a topic that was just epic. Um, that was uh, the curiosity episode. But um, we've been prepping this one. We got an email from uh, a listener, a loyal listener. And I'm going to read the email out. And then um, we're going to riff on this. So the first thing I want to say about this is if you too, listener, are uh, curious about something, send us an email and we will perhaps do a, an episode based on what you send, if it's interesting enough. But this one was. So I, I when it came in, I forwarded it to Michael, and Michael was like, hell yeah. I think that was your exact rep, rep, Yeah, reply. and if you leave us to our own des- devices, then we're going to do what that Let's Run <laughs> blog said. We're just going to get into the, the woo-woo pretty quick. <laughs> exactly. So, totally. yeah, keep the topics coming. We love training topics. We love running, all running-related topics. And, yeah, totally. Um, so let me read. This is from Carrie Ann. So it says, the title was Maffetone Method, Michael's Experience. She said, hello there. First, I'm thrilled to have found your podcast conversation. Your presence on Running Rogue has been missed. Second, on one of your episodes, Michael mentioned a history of using the Maffetone Method. If he'd be willing, I'd love you to do a podcast on his experience. Long story short, I've discovered the Maffetone Method about 11 months ago, and it has been life-changing for me. My very interrupted and slow progression in a nutshell. And then she breaks down her experience from 2013 all the way to 2023 when she sent this email. Um, And she talks about how she's now doing strictly maffetone. She's moved her mileage up to about 60 miles a week. And she has some pretty big goals and she shares those Mm -hmm. with with us, but I don't want to share those with the rest of the world. I don't think Carrie Ann would want everybody to hear it. So... She then finishes off by saying, in any case, I would love to hear about Michael's journey. Keep podcasting. All my best, Carrie Ann. So Fabulous. thank you. That was, that was fantastic to get 
a listener who has a, a really interesting query. This matches up really well with the series that we'd been we'd started doing, but we haven't picked up in a little while called the systems yep. because we can kind of highlight the system of the cardiovascular because that's the primary thing that's going on with the Maftone method. So, Michael, why don't you give a little bit of a of a overview for our listeners who might have missed it? Other things. What what is this Maftone method? What's going on with it? Um, it's called it's called MAF, and everybody thinks that just down stands for Maftone, but it doesn't. Um, yeah, so it it's an interesting one. I think the website's now behind a a paywall, mm-hmm. so you got to get a lot of information probably from a pay by like coaching service. Or I don't know how the modules work or anything like that. But I do know they be. have a free book download. You can download his book for free on that site. I um, think it might, you might have to pay a few bucks now. I'm not sure oh, though. Oh, okay, um, maybe so. But either way, he deserves it. He's a great guy yeah. and did a lot of great research and um, was responsible for really a, a huge amount of joy and probably um, responsible for many of the things that I love about endurance to this day. Um, and so I'll briefly say that when I got started, you know, I was, um, marathons or Ironmans, I was not doing math, Maffetone for my first, you know, few races. And I was just going out hitting paces and doing kind of boilerplate workouts and really not thinking about the heart rate. I once had a friend that was like, yeah, you know, your heart rate rate's pretty high. You just keep doing the workouts. When the fall comes, your heart rate's going to drop like 20 BPM. It's going to be magical. It's great. And I was like, cool. That's generally how it works. And then I discovered, I moved to Austin and uh, got this great uh, triathlon coach that was like fully 100% Maffetone and structured all of his workouts like that. And it was fascinating. And I ended up doing... I want to I want to I want to find a clear way of kind of saying that there was like an onboarding to the math method for like maybe an entire year. I used it strict strictly and maybe even two years I used it very strictly is it to to the best of my ability. And essentially what it is if you're if you're new to this and you don't know the math tone method, um, I'm going to try and not, you know, fudge it up too much but if you take based off of you know many test subjects and many metrics over the course of when Dr. Philip Maffetone did all these researches he found that there was this number uh, 180 and so essentially the equation is in a nutshell like 180 minus your age so if you're 30 years old your math number would be 150 and if you are new to the sport or are coming back from an injury, then it's generally saying that you should subtract 10. So it would downgrade to 140 for, for that particular example. And if you have been, you know, just a general athlete of good health, fairly new a couple years in, you can stick to that 180 minus your age. But if you've also been running or doing your practice for two years plus at a very you know high level and not had any injuries or anything like that, you can actually add five. So you can bump it up to 155. And essentially, that would be the equivalent of your upper aerobic threshold zone. And it's a little bit different because isn't there, what's the 220 number? It's like the max heart rate. Um, 
Yes, yeah, so max art rate minus your age. Um, but that's getting different number. That's not going for your aerobic threshold. That's going for, you know, the top end, whereas Correct. this is you're locating that that point. Um, your upper aerobic threshold is theoretically that point when you're also like gaining performance, but also kind of maximizing the cocktail of uh, burning fat versus burning glycogen. And at any given point in time, it's not like we're going to be burning 100% fat. Like, that's just not a thing. No. Um, you will be burning a cocktail of glycogen, period. You know, so Ask that, any, any ultra runner who's running a 100-mile race. Right, they can't, yeah. They can't not fuel. So you <laughs> might get, I think Garmin even had it on their watches at one point in time. Like, you could get, like, a metric that was, like, fat versus, you know, I, I forget what their metric was. Uh, fast versus sugars, for example. Anaerobic versus aerobic. And it would be, like... Your workout, you burned, you know, 50%, you know, aerobic fuel and 50% anaerobic fuel. And that was, I think if you could get down to like 30% or something, you were like really 30% uh, anaerobic fuel and 70% like aerobic fuel. That was like super fat adapted for that workout, kind of an idea. And these are numbers that I remember from my old Garmin. I was like, I was always trying to look at them and everything like that. So that's kind of the brief idea. And if you, if you like close your eyes and you visualize this on like an X, Y plane, for example, and you keep time as a constant. So let's assume that you go out and you run this upper aerobic threshold zone for somebody who's 38, 30 years old. Let's just assume their math number is 150. So you go out and you keep your heart rate under 150. And it's in between, let's say, 140 and 147. And you target that zone. And you introduce the constant, which is time. And you let your pace be the variable. So you go out and you run. You run at a constant 145 BPM. And the more you do that, theoretically, your pace should enhance over time. And I know we don't have like a whiteboard with us. But if you can visualize it, like the idea with the, the math test is where you test, you know, in increments of time denominations that are far apart, like six weeks apart. And you go out and you run 150 BPM at like, you know, for one hour and you or I forget what how long the, the test is. But let's just say you go out and do a mile or two miles or something at 150 BPM and you'll go get your time for that in six weeks. The, the goal would be to better your time but keep your heart rate the same, therefore being more fat adapted, therefore burning more aerobic and uh, in the aerobic versus anaerobic cocktail. So if you followed us so far on that weird little kind of deep dive in that, that's kind of what got me so intrigued by the Maffetone method is that it's also predicated on this like, you know, he was Mark Allen's coach and was responsible for you know, insanely amazing feats. And they were both saying like the no pain, no gain thing is kind of, why are we talking about like pain equals gain when you can, you know, build all this mitochondria, build your aerobic base and enhance your performance without all the pain. You just need the time. You don't accumulate as much fatigue. You're not, you're probably not, um, I don't know if I'm, I don't have like a medical background, but also, you know, in terms of, I'm sure you're not secreting as much cortisol out of your thyroid gland if you're running at an aerobic pace and all that great stuff. So you're, you're like minimizing 
bad fatigue and maximizing good fatigue and you're kind of like moving forward and 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 so I was like hooked on it because you're giving me an option to run slower to overtime run faster it's like all right cool I'd love to run long distances it's like my favorite thing to go out in the weekend and run for a couple hours now I just don't have to be in pain the whole time I can just throw on some good music and you know just reap the benefits of the rewards it's perfect for Ironman training when you're you know or distance training um, maybe even for marathon block of long runs and stuff like that I can imagine it being a very appealing idea and it was for me and I had some incredibly great races under that tenure um, so that's kind of my history with that um, okay let me ask a couple questions around this so mm -hmm. you had a coach that helped you implement it yep and so you had some stick to with it because you had someone, I'm assuming, at least you had yeah. some level of accountability. We were doing two-hour runs and five-hour bike rides at an aerobic pace. And can you talk about that level of accountability? Because this is the The reason I'm asking this question is because in my experience, very few people, very few runners, let's, let's not go down the road of people generally because mm -hmm. triathletes can do things that runners can't do. Um, not because runners aren't capable, but because runners just are culturally conditioned in a different way. Um, it's a different sport. I think, yeah, that, that's probably a subject for another day, but it's a great but subject. I, but I think that the runners that I know, and this is a running podcast, even though Michael's focused more on triathlon these days um, and was early on, that many runners are going to have a real problem with this. And this is the real real uptick issue with Maffetone is that people understand it. It makes really good logical sense, but they're conditioned to think, but no pain, no gain, Number one, right? Like that's an old school model. Number two, I I want to run faster. Sure. Not not only that it hurts, but I want to. Mm -hmm. And I've been told by everybody I know that that I should do it, except for Maffetone, um, that I should do work and I should do hard quality work. Um, and unless I'm in a base phase, why would I do Maffetone? Because Maffetone sounds like it should just be happening in a base phase. So anyway, all that stuff usually comes up for folks. And it's so, so long term. And it is long term. Well. You said a year, 18 months, two years. That's a long time to commit to something. Many runners have a very hard time doing that. Um, so I guess my question is, one of the major issues I think that's impracticable about the math tone method is without oversight, without accountability, um, it's so easy to cheat. So it's, how did it's you beyond do that? easy so to how cheat. Did you, how did you manage that? Slave to the watch. Mm. And your coach who held you accountable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would so you have been able to do that yourself without that insight, at least early on? I'm, I'm, maybe later you would have been able to. But I don't think I would have. I don't think it. I kind of when I get a coach or generally speaking, I'm going to just do what I'm told to do. You're a dumb athlete. In the yeah, best way. I mean, yep. I, I, you know, so if, if this guy's in my coach, um. He, he was, I mean, he was a fabulous athlete. Like he was throwing, he had been, he had been working out since he was like 16 years old and he was probably 40 something or, you know, maybe around 40 years old or so. And one of the greatest athletes in the field, in the age group field, period, in the sport. And, but I'm imagining, uh, I'm, so it, it makes sense to me. But the time that it would have taken for me to get to that level, 
I I realized very quickly that this is a seconds game. And it's not that I'm impatient. It's just that there was also something intriguing on the other end of the spectrum. You would talk to, you know, why are hit workouts so important? You know, why are, you know, to, to the, you know, to the CrossFit community? Why are hit workouts important for the cardiovascular system? Um, why are, you know, so it, it's hard not, the, the accountable part is how can you not look at the top end and want to understand the benefits of that as equal as benefits of the upper aerobic threshold. And so the hardest part for me was the what if there is benefits in the top end and what does that look like moving forward? Because these races that I did, I was probably more aerobically fit than I'll ever be. I remember being able, I don't, I don't remember getting tired. I was throwing down 20 plus hours a week of pure activity and feeling just like an absolute freight train. So aerobically, there was nothing but fuel. I had fuel for days. But the second that I wanted to be in a race environment is when I could not deliver. Mm, and, interesting. and so it got me thinking, well, I'm actually curious about how I'm going to qualify for the Boston Marathon, run a 240-something marathon. And, and I can't get these thoughts out of my head. Like, what are, what's the maximum performance that I can get out of my body? And so it, it was hard for me to stick to that method um, without having those insidious thoughts. So it was difficult in, in the psychological nature of it. Yeah, and I think this is a reason why it's very hard. That's why I brought it up, because I do think um, strict mafetone is really, really difficult. I, at some athletes I've worked with um, who have done the mafetone method, they stuck to it. They would even walk up hills mm-hmm. to keep I would their too. heart rate. I would be, there would be uh, people with strollers with children mm-hmm. in them strolling by me on my weekend runs because it was 100 degrees and I had to walk because my heart rate was 152. So, and I'm not, and I'm, this doesn't, this isn't a knock against the Maffetone method because this is a, I think the thing about the Maffetone method is really important to state from the outset. It fucking works. It does work. There's zero doubt that it works. No, no. And it, it, it's foundationally maybe one of the most important things that I've ever learned and used, period. The problem is it's really, really difficult, at least for runners, to stay in the Maffetone zone. I would agree with that. And then it and then it creates, as you stated, these sort of little the demons start coming in, the questioners, the little sh- little thing sitting on your shoulder telling you how much better could you be if you did it differently. Look at everybody else, they're doing it differently. We have that cultural construct of no pain, no gain. Um, and then there's just the pure pleasure of flat ass flying and how it feels good to do that. So let's talk a little bit about why someone might want to fight against those urges so why would a runner and Carrie Ann in, in particular she's seeing these pretty monumental gains and to the to the point where she has kind of I didn't read this part because it's private but she has some pretty big goals pretty big goals indeed and you know the thing that I would say about that at first glance is if something's working don't break it 
that being said, you, you know, um, I can understand. I mean, shit, if it's going that hard and your body is adapting to those, then I can imagine being gifted with such a, a beautiful system you know a body that can like take these types of that's why like some of our favorite athletes and some of the greatest athletes in the world have just like lower heart rates and they can they can burn the good stuff like for in in i just that to me it's like don't break it if it's breaking but i also see it almost as like a like a black belt situation mm. so i see it as like maybe mafetone is the white belt and the second that you want to go learn how to like break some boards and like move up to the bricks or something like that, I don't think that you eliminate what we learn from, from those types of foundational ideas because it's science. It's beautiful. It's, it works. And you know, it's the thing that got me really thinking the other day was the nervous system and what, how would that play into this? Well, I think specifically if you include goals, high-level goals, far-reaching goals, and you're, and you're out over the skis, and you're going down the mountain, you're going down like double black fucking moguls, and you're like, I just got to nail this. Like, these are my goals. I got big goals. Then we might need to inject some other type of system into it and I think tasking the nervous system to get ready for those events is also very important so it's like how do you strictly stick to the no pain no gain if you need to prime your body for battle in some regard and I found that the top end work which I've full circle these days I'm doing top end work with a mafetone foundation yep and I do like probably an 80 20 cocktail you know of it all most of everything I do is probably going to be in my upper aerobic threshold, but I do really enjoy the releasing the shackles of those types of constraints. Um, I see those constraints almost as the same thing as I see other constraints, psychological constraints and everything like that. It's like, why not break the barrier, break that plane a little bit and go a little bit further and do a tempo run that's a little bit you know get the body ready because what i think that i need mentally for my nervous system is to be mentally prepared as well yeah because i set audacious goals as well it's just that i know deep down that if i don't i know how i race and if i don't explore the other gears then i'm probably not going to get closer to my desire yeah you know, you bring up the nervous system, and I think one of the things that the Mavitone method does so well is defrag the nervous system. Oh, it's in, in, in all the Microsoft 95 cents of the word. It just takes the whole thing, and it cleans it up. And when we're doing um, anything threshold, you know, anything that we are moving into the anaerobic threshold and then down from there, so from the anaerobic threshold down in towards... Um, which is, you know, anaerobic threshold for a lot of people if you don't, you know, where, where it is. There's an aerobic threshold, which Mavitone is talking about, and that's sort of sitting at the, your marathon pace-ish. Like, you, you, you break into... Um, Mavitone is way slower. Don't get this confused. When I'm using paces, the Mavitone method is way slower than your marathon pace, okay? But you're at the upper end of your aerobic threshold in a marathon race because you can hold it for extended windows of time, 
right? Um, and that's the goal for the math tone method is that you get better and better at so Like more elasticity on being fat adapted is... Yes, you use more fat than fuel, than, than, than more fat is fuel than glycogen is fuel, but you're also better at it. So, the, so your, your mix of your cocktail mix is better and your body has a better selectivity. So it selects appropriately and necessarily where mm-hmm. and when it needs to. Um, and this is why the Maftone method for an Ironman makes a lot of sense because you're doing it for so long and the Maftone method makes a lot of sense for ultra running and ultra runners do that a lot. For marathoning, it makes a lot of sense in my opinion as a base phase, as yeah. a really focused base phase because it creates this huge engine. And in Carrie Ann's case, what I would suggest is at this point, as she's getting closer, as she keeps using that Maftone method, I would suggest a uh, two-month to three-month window where she keeps the Maffetone method as her base for her long runs, easy her long runs and easy runs and recovery runs, for some of her long runs, easy runs and recovery runs, and then she transitions into a small what I would call race, race specific phase, and that way she would maybe work on, um, on more of her anaerobic threshold, um, and then maybe even play with a little bit of VO2 max stuff. Um, why would that matter? Because we are using in the marathon. Um, some of that work and you get more efficient and you get better at doing it, but it does frag your nervous system. It does create that that work is hard. It's hard to recover from. And when you do it consistently and consistently and consistently, it becomes very problematic. And this is why I'm very pro Maffetone method. And I, this is why when we did an episode a couple of weeks ago, Michael, and I told you how excited I was to talk about how you were doing a base phase, I would suggest a Maffetone method for every athlete Every athlete I work with, with everybody all along, I would do a Maftone method for at least a minimum of three months, of yeah. a twelve-month window. But I would I prefer think the, more, the longer prefer, you do it. The, I would prefer to see a six-month. Yeah, window. for sure. I was going to say the longer you do it, the 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 magic and the alchemy happens through that that upper aerobic zone. But it's only one part of the necessary ingredients for mm-hmm. what your race requires. I would agree with that. And so yeah. Carrie Ann's going to see improvement, 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 and that's a base place to come from for all your improvement. But if you don't do some some fast stuff, um, then you're going to then you're going to be missing some critical pieces of the puzzle. But let's go back to the base phase, just because mm-hmm. I want to be clear about this. If I did do that base phase, I would never do pure mafetone. I do not believe in pure mafetone. I would do some speed economy and some short hill sprint work. But you do it in such a way where you get a huge recovery between each bout. That's the beauty of it. And you periodize that over a window of time during that phase. So I might do a month of pure Maffetone or two months of pure Maffetone. And then I would just sprinkle in. I would start with um, four by 150 meters with um, a full recovery of seven to eight minutes of easy running. Mm-hmm. So I would do a 150 and I would jump off the track and I would go do a mile loop at a really slow pace. Then I would get back on the track and then I would do another 150 where I was building and working on that. Why? Because some of the critical elements that are necessary for good biomechanics are happening in that phase because what she's doing is highlighting the aerobic system, the cardiovascular system, but the musculoskeletal system is atrophying truly atrophying if you do a pure mafetone method. This is not a problem for an Ironman because they do a huge amount of work on the bike, on the in the pool. The vast majority of what's going on in race Almost is happening in the pool. Almost everything is active recovery. Correct. I, I, you know what I mean? So it's not really apples to apples mm-hmm. for what's going on with a marathon. And running is so important for you to have good biomechanics. 
And there's two ways to improve your biomechanics, okay? Speed one work. is speed work, yeah. and the other one is strength training. Yeah. And no, I'm sorry, but drills do not help you with your biomechanics. Drills help you cue and have good biomechanics in some way, but they're not as effective. So if you're looking for a bigger bang for your buck, sprint, okay? And sprint gradually. Then I would, so I would periodize the 150s, then we would go to 200s, and we go to 300s, and we would go to 400s, it would stay at four reps. And then I would take a break. I would take like a, a, a maybe two weeks where I just ran easy and maybe did some light strides. And then I would come back to those, and I would do another four reps, another four reps of that 150 thing. And at 150, 300, 400, and then I would add hill sprints, short little hill sprints in the same model. When you go up the hill for 10, 15 seconds, 10 seconds at the most, turn around, walk back down the hill and then go off and run a mile and then come back and do it again and do it. Why am I asking for this huge recovery? Because I'm trying to highlight that the Maftone method is exactly right. We don't want to accumulate too much lactic acid. We don't want to trigger you into start thinking about getting into a peaking mode. So if you just do a short little bout that actually gets those muscles woke up and turned on and get them firing and going, you can really focus on it and there's no fatigue. There's fatigue at the end of the rep, but there's no fatigue over the long haul. And this, this really fucks runners up. They think, but I'm not getting any work. Like I tell people, like they run too fast. I'm, they're running you too know, fast on the You know, and that's the problem with runners is that I'm going to call nine out of 10 of you out because you don't out know how to run slow. <laughs> no, they don't. And I'm telling you right now that the thing that you can learn from going from long distance triathlon to marathoning is period. We don't take rest days. We don't have recovery days. Every activity is active recovery. If you learn to run slow and the Maftone method is by far the easiest way to implement this into your routine, then you can take an active recovery day and go run four to six miles at a slow pace that you're going to be embarrassed about and everybody's going to see it on Strava, but you need to get over that because you're going to get more miles in. Everybody's worried about running miles every week, but they're not running any to actually actively recover. So if you want to build your mileage and build that kind of, you know, the way that you can do it is to incorporate these slower workouts in. No, I agree. And that we don't use the word workout slower runs yeah for sure it's really important to say that and the other thing is is that let's distinguish and for runners we do this too i'm not sure you know i'm not steeped in the mapitone method mm -hmm. i have not um i haven't i haven't gone deep into it um because to me so but you're key, into nasal breathing i am so it's the same thing right mm -hmm. i am totally into that but it's not that i'm not into the mapitone method it's that i find data disturbing and mm, i think runners many of them aren't, aren't going to be paid. They're so pace oriented that if you don't give them something, if you don't give them something that's pace related, it's very challenging and heart rate really struck. Many runners struggle with heart rate. Yeah. It's just very hard for them to stick to it because their model is pace per mile. Right. Um, the reason I use nose breathing is because they can still pay attention to pace per mile, but they can't open their mouth. Mm -hmm. So it's very hard and you have to stay in that zone. But I still think mouth breathing, nose breathing, if you're only nose breathing, you're still a beyond, you can still be beyond the Maffetone numbers. Okay, you can. I know, but um, but I do think no, nasal breathing is a great way to 
to do it for runners is to I be in that space. I love nasal breathing. And it's it's like kind of like doesn't just let you another cheat. gear. Yeah. And it lets you know when you're cheating and it's not data related. It's felt sense experience. Mm-hmm. You feel it in your bones. You feel it in your body. And you want to do this big. <gasps> and you know what I tell people? Well, we can do a whole episode on nasal breathing as a, as a separate episode. That's a really good topic. But um, that's a way to monitor this. One thing I was going to go back to what you were saying with triathlon versus runners is runners do categorize their easy runs in three categories typically whether they do this consciously or unconsciously i use it i try to make it conscious i have three easy runs the first is just an easy run and that's covering on a day when you might not be recovering from a quality session so mm. if you're if you're this is a day let's say you do two quality workouts a week and a long run those are three quality days those are three hard days it would get an h beside them right and then after those three days, you need a R day, which is recovery. And that's no, no pace at all, heart rate only, or really slow if you're on the paces. Like is I, the prime directive of those specified in lactic acid movement and kind of resetting? It's what you were just describing. So that, that basically what's happening is you're, you're, you're not gaining, you're not looking for the primary benefit, what the Maffetone method is trying to gain in the primary method. method. Mm-hmm benefit. The primary benefit of the Maffetone method is that you're building this mitochondrial base. You're doing all these other things. That's the primary focus. And so you're staying slower, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're getting all, you're defragging your nervous Yours system. Yours is like an engine brake. It's a recovery. It's a way to it's, accumulate all of the work that you've done and to package all that up. My um, former co-host on the Running Rogue podcast, Chris McClung, says it better than anybody. Movement equals blood flow equals healing. And that's exactly what happens when you're running really, really easy on a recovery day is you get the movement and then all that gets blood flow. And so you're not only defragging your nervous system, you're defragging your physiology. It's clearing that system and actually really giving you recovery. It's almost like moving massage, but you have to stay slow. If you, if you start creeping you immediately start moving into that other zone. And if you move into that, another reasons why it's so easy for, you know, multi-sport athletes to kind of conceptualize it because when you get into the pool, you're, I mean, shit, it's so low impact. It's yeah. just a perfect workout. Yeah. I can't so. imagine, ma- I can't imagine the Maffetone method working in the pool. <laughs> I don't even know how. To- I think it only works on the bike. I mean, I think it works with runners, but that, that runner, it, it, it's going to be. Definitely works on the bike. Yeah. For, for, and then carry in. I'm not trying to diss you, right? I'm really honoring your commitment to the process. And I think you're in, you're in good stead, but I do think you need to spend a little bit of time considering number one, are you doing the neuromuscular recruitment stuff that's necessary? I do think you need to be doing strides. You need to be doing them consistently. And I would actually prefer because people get messy with strides. They don't do them right. They do them with other people. They're not really focused and concentrated. The intention is low. There's a low intention quotient going it's like, on it's like a it's almost just a sprint but it's not it, it it's a muscle recruitment it's basically a muscle recruitment um it's a perception of power as well 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 the speed economy is i mm-hmm. think strides turn into i just have to pick it up my coach put it on the schedule i don't know what the fuck i'm doing mm-hmm. it's just like drills it's worthless that's why i created a whole a whole day of the week dedicated to speed economy so i could bring intention and what I'm intending there is three th- basic things. Number one, do you know where your power comes from? 
So there's a relationship to the ground. Your power comes from the ground. All speed modulation from 10-minute mile pace to 4-minute mile pace is being or faster is being done through pushing off the ground. And there's a felt sense associated with that. And you can get really, really, really good at that. And I would say there are less than 1% of the population of runners, significantly less than 1% of the population of runners. Even my runners that I work with who do these workouts, they're still, I'm still checking them. Or do you know what you're doing? Have you set an intention? Are you really conscious of the thing you're doing? When it takes, it's like, oh my God, what just happened? That's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm waiting for the aha moment, mm -hmm. right? So that's one piece of the puzzle. The second is that those, those tendons, ligaments, and muscles are ready to fire in that way. So they're, I, like, I, I call that turning on the lights. So the lights are on. So all of that system is like working. And in the Maffetone method, those lights are dark all the time. They're dark. They're very not getting, and even when you go up a hill, which might give you a little bit of that, all of a sudden you're slowing way, way down and so you're not even getting the benefit of that part on a hill. So that's the other thing. And then the third reason is because it creates better biomechanics. You open up your stride length and you get your body feels what it feels like to move fast. So you've stretched it way beyond the limits of where it sits. So even someone who's a marathoner benefits from doing faster than 400 meter all out pace. There's a huge benefit for it those, for those three ways. And I don't think that breaks with the basic Maffetone method as incorporating within it. Years ago, I did a podcast with, um, Chris and I did a podcast with Mallory Brooks who was doing the Maffetone method. We did two episodes with her. And this is the argument we got into in that episode was I was like, why not do some speed economy slash stride work? She's like, well, it's not in the system. So I don't do it. It's like, totally. I, 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 and I'm actually going to visit Mallory this week. That's where I'm going to go up on my vacation. I have a lot of respect for her. But that was my argument. And she stuck with her Maffetone method. And she stayed with it. And I think it's really good. But I wouldn't, if I were coaching someone, I would be, be like, I still think you should add this in. Because I do think that neuromuscular recruitment is critical to the experience of running a marathon and below. It may not be essential for the distances beyond that. Okay, And I think that if you're ultra-marathoning, you can get a lot more benefit from just being on uneven surfaces and going up and down hills. But if I were working with ultra-runners, I wouldn't even put them on the Maffetone method. I'd put them on nasal breathing because I think it's actually a more accurate thing. And so if they're in the mountains, they're at altitude, it's going to be harder and they're going to have to walk up hills. And that's good. It's good to learn how to walk up hills because you're going to do that in an ultra no matter what. Um, so anyway. I think it's I think it's fascinating. I, I, I mean, when I think about Anything I'm doing in my practice, I always have a foundation of Maffetone method. I don't, it, it would, but the way now that I've including it in, in the full circle experience from pre math stuff to just no governor, just, just go run the times to Maffetone really, really taking it very seriously to now kind of this new level of you know upper aerobic threshold with a speed floater and mm -hmm. tempo floater and all this stuff it's like what does this cocktail look like from the from the mid line to the top line um that's just so th let me just double t click on this because mm -hmm. somebody could ask me well if you believe in the maffetone method how come you never do it mm -hmm. and i'll tell you why it's not a good business practice Hmm. People don't like it. People don't like it. I tried to, I had this thing when I was starting up a tray. You, I had like probably six months to wait around for the shoes and, you know, it was 
kind of like, wow, what, I got some time. What am I going to do? And I did some like out, I called it outreach coaching. Anybody who wanted to, to have any coaching, you know, I was just like, let me teach you about the math method. And I don't think it lasted more than like a couple of months. Like nobody really wanted You'll get to drop do off. it. People yeah, won't do it. It was, it was, there's a transaction. I think it's, I, th- I think there's something in the essence of this conversation is even more important than the method itself, which is, which is paying attention to what's working and why it's working and the different levels and the different speeds. And I think I, I get super excited when I hear like Carrie, that people are out there doing this and it's working because I remember that it turned me into the athlete that I am today. And it taught me everything about what I didn't know, which was taking care of a foundational aspect. I mean, and, this is the same aspect that can take sedentary humans and make them unbelievable. This is the Maffetone method is the beginner's mind. Of it's distance a, it's it, to me. It's but but even if you take that brand that guy away and you just say, what is it? It's walking around. It's sleeping. It's going into the sauna. It's slow running. It's learning how to take care of the foundational aspects of everything that's going on. And running is just so easy to go out there and just do the same fast stuff over and over and over and putting ourselves at a disadvantage because we don't know how to play the full spectrum. And I think that I think it's a big deal. I think that that running culture right now doesn't really take into account the full spectrum. When people say, you know, take your easy runs easy, and nine out of ten people, nine ninety-nine out of a hundred people are not able to even conceptualize what that would even mean. That's a problem. I think that's a problem. Yeah. So one way I've addressed this in my program is I've, I've focused on the R day, the recovery day. I've focused on easy days, keeping them. And people follow that pretty well. It took me a little while to get them to do that. Mm-hmm. But the place that's actually been most impactful for my group is I now, I used to do long runs, um, had were either easy long runs or quality long runs. And then I had a drop week, which is an easy long run, but it's a shorter one, right? Um, but what I started doing is on my long runs, I used to do a close in them. I love the clothes. And I had them in there because I wanted to keep people going slower early on. And so they knew they could pick it up later in the run. And so they could pick it up as they went along. But what I found out was it just encouraged cheating. And they would just start their clothes instead of 20 minutes out from the finish of a two hour and a two and a half hour run to an hour in, they'd start closing. And it just totally ruined it. So I take the, I now no longer have, I have an occasional close in my program. I, and I miss it. I wish I had more of them. I think they are more effective. But people were cheating. So what I did is I baked in. That's I a nervous system aspect too about it is like understanding that after 20 miles of running and you have a two-mile close that you know how to run that two miles. You know how to do to it. To close it. Yep. And AB, it's like I call it, that ABC, always be closing. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's but, an art form. It is, but I can't use it anymore because people cheated. Now, I'm not, and if anybody in my group is listening to this, I'm not pointing my finger at you unless I am, and you know I am, and then I am. But anyway, I don't have anybody in mind. It's just I knew as, yeah. as, that it didn't work. So what I did is I moved to duration runs. No close. You're out there for two hours, two and a half hours, or three hours, and you know, 
I don't care how fast you go or slow you go. You so don't if get you go the gold too, stars for the extra four miles. You get less stars. In <laughs> yeah. fact, the, slow, the less mileage you get out of it, the better. So they started yeah. taking, and then people started doing three-hour Because hour the runs. week after, you go and throw in oh, the throw 18 in. with the six clothes, Correct. and it's like, well, you shit the bed on the one after. Well, you should have thought about that the week before when totally. it was. <laughs> totally. Totally. So I bake it in, but I bake it in in a way that I try to hopefully, and I think people get it now. I think they're I'm going I'm speaking slower. from experience. Yeah. by the way. Yeah. I'm not pointing my finger. I'm looking at myself on those. I think we all can do that. So I, I, I think that one of the things about Maffetone is the, the best thing is number one, build it, consider, if you're listening to us and you're intrigued by this, consider building the Maffetone method into a base phase for you. I would argue to add a little bit of speed economy work, a little bit of short hill work, that kind of stuff to keep that neuromuscular banging. And then I would suggest from there, what I would say is then as you go into your specific phase, however long or short that is, getting ready for your event, if you're getting ready for a marathon, it'll look a little different than if you're getting ready for a 5K or an 800 meter race. But I still think a Maffetone method, high volume Maffetone method will benefit an 800 meter runner greatly. Um, and and then see how it works for you. But on you're still doing Maffetone in that specific phase. You're just doing it only on designated days instead of on every day, Right. And then it actually takes on from that from it takes on another life. It, it in, takes in on practice. A it looks and it feels and it is the Maffetone method. But it in starts your to feel really real and really resonant. And it starts to it's you. I, this is what I say. You get a felt sense of the defragging of your nervous system. Yeah. Just like you do on an easy run. I always tell people this on a recovery run after a quality workout that's been really hard, you ought to feel better as it goes. And you naturally feel your body feeling better. That creates a positive feedback loop that said, oh my God, I got a lot of great work in. Yes, I needed to recover and recuperate from it. And after that recovery and recuperation, I feel better. Now, sometimes the best thing to do after that is to then double down with another Maffetone day, another easy day. In a down week, how would you treat a down week? So a down week, I have almost all aerobic Maffetone work. That's what I would... Lower volume. Now, occasionally, this, this in my cycle, I've started adding a broken tempo in there. Mm -hmm. um, and I added a broken tempo because as I get further and further along in my marathon cycle, um, the problem I run into is that I'm working both ends of the spectrum. I'm working this 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 faster pace stuff, this 5K and, and, and um, 10K stuff because I need their bodies to be good at that stuff while they're doing, because that's important late in the race as you're dealing with mm -hmm. the accumulated lactic acid. You need to get good at dealing with that. That's that thing that you were talking about. When I go into the race, I'm not good at hurting. I need to be better at hurting. There's a physiology, physio a psychology Suffering. and a physiology. You got to yes. learn how to suffer correct. sometimes. And they're correct. There's both pieces of that and you need to get good at You can learn how to suffer in an ultra all day long. Just keep and going. on the other end of the end, other end of the spectrum, I'm doing a lot of marathon specific yeah. work. So I, I kind of miss out on this crucial physiology of threshold. And this is another interesting topic, Michael, because there's over the last five years, really the last three years. And in the last year and a half to two years, it's gone crazy. There's been a new, there's been a new training system on the block. Mm -hmm. It's the double threshold that everybody's all crazy about. It's basically, they're calling it the Norwegian method mm -hmm. because it's been popularized by Jakob Ingebrigtsen and his coach. And his, his dad was his coach for a long time. Now he's his own coach. But that system came out of um, uh, the practical practice, the practices of another Norwegian in the early aughts. Um, who was an elite-level athlete and tried this method out and really got it to working very, very well. And um, that method is basically a modified maffetone. 
instead of taking your maximum aerobic function, which is the math method, max, he called it sound, you think it's named after him, but it's not, mm-hmm. it's named after max, maximum aerobic function. They have doubled down on something called what I would call the maximum, a math method as well, maximum anaerobic or yeah, maximum anaerobic function. So how, which is your threshold. And what they do is they do shit tons of broken tempo, broken threshold stuff where they but instead of using heart rate, they use millimoles of lactic acid in their system. So they have a, a, a touch, they have a test where they, you, you get a blood prick, you put your finger on there and it gives you your number and it tells your it, lactate, yeah. your lactate number. And it doesn't come down to two millimoles or 2.5 millimoles. And they're doing the same thing that Maffetone method does. They're extending and extending and extending and getting all this huge volume at anaerobic threshold pace they're breaking that up and build and doing and doing it twice a day sometimes mm-hmm. and just building and building and building and building this so they're taking that aerobic function but they're getting a maximum anaerobic function and they're and that program is going crazy right now it's oh at, yeah yeah it's it's, it's functioning it's, at the elite it's level it's overwhelming the uh multi-sport scene as well yeah and it and it's got great science on it but just look at this this is basically a, and it also is very hard to do Mm-hmm. Because people aren't doing the prick test, they're not doing, they're not checking their lactate, and then they're cheating it, and then they're breaking down and they're falling apart. Right? It's very, very hard to do. Um, now, there's a group in the U.S. doing it really, really well at the highest level, and that's the um, Northern Arizona's cross country track and cross country program, which is phenomenal. Mike Smith has won multiple NCAA championships. He has started implementing this about three years ago. And the athletes that he started that with, they're now best in the world. They're just incredibly good. But he did a different model. I don't think he was doing a, a, a lactate test. I think he was basically determined, and I don't know this for a fact. I don't know Mike personally. I'd love to, but I don't know him. But I think what, if I were doing this in a collegiate environment, um, what I would do in that kind of situation is I would say, hey, I got some guys who are uh, uh, just world beaters. Like mm-hmm. they're going to be, they're, they're, let's say, a 13, 25K guy, like super fast, super good. I mean, now those guys are 13 flat guys. Mm-hmm. But anyway, before that, they were 13, 13, 20 guys, which, you know, prior to the last five years was the, like, just the unicorn performance at the NCAA level. Very few people were going, a few people could get under 13, 20, but not very many. But now there's like, dozens of, of collegiate men under 13, 20. But I would, I would basically take that level. But I would also have guys who were like 14, 20 to 14, 30 guys, right? So they're, so they're, I can't give them, I can't, it's hard to do a prick test. You don't, it's hard to do a lactate test on two dozen guys. Yeah, for sure. But what I would say is, okay, my 14, 20 guys are going to, they're going to be breaking the rule the maftone rule, they're going to be a little faster, but that's what's required. And if they're going to get better, they're just going to have, to, I'm going to lose some, I'm going to gain some, but I'm going to target my lead guys and get them. And they're going to feel easy all the way through. My slower guys are going to feel hard all the way through. Then I just recover them in a little bit of a different way, but I would work on my fast guys would be getting this benefit. They do two threshold workouts in a day, a week, or sometimes, you know, I don't know how many times Ingerbrexen does. It does it a lot. Um, but Anyway, when we had John on the show, we were going to break this method down mm. really, really hard. It reminds not, me of swimming in the lane or yeah. swimming on, on like, you know. So it's basically a very, very similar model that basically says, you know, hey, we've never required. done that, which is cool. We, that? We'd be cool to do like 400s 
And you only get as on far a as specific you interval. Yeah. And the elite folks are kind of, they just have a they longer rest. Yes. And the other, like, it'd be interesting and to so see what teams training like that in the running scene. Yes. I'm sure they do. Yes. I just, I'm not attuned to it. Yes. I think they do, but it takes a lot of patience and it takes a lot of, so it takes a team and it takes a team to buy into it. Mm-hmm. So it really only works if you've got a really tight team. Um, but I think you could do it occasionally. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. That double threshold thing that we're hearing in the Norwegian from the Norwegian model is using a very similar concept to what Maffeton is doing, but it's triggering a different exercise physiology system. It's trying to target that anaerobic system. Because just FYI, Carrie Ann, your anaerobic system is not functioning very well. <laughs> you and don't think so? Not in a Maffetone method. If you're doing strict Maffetone and you're doing it for years on end, um, you're missing, um, you're missing, John and I talk about it, the four, we talked about the four horses of the apocalypse, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have all four systems need to be working. You need to be working your aerobic system. You need to be working your neuromuscular recruitment system. You need to be working your, your, your glycolytic system. Um, and you need to be working your anaerobic threshold system. All those need to be worked and they've got to be worked consistently. And if they're not worked, then you're not going to be effective at, at least in the events from the 5k to the marathon. That's where, and that's what I focus on. That's my main bread no, and butter. No, I, I so. mean, that's that's exactly where I am as an athlete, too, is, you know, I'm all in by saying that I'm just a curious dude who's trying to throw down the best performances that he can. And I'm pretty much where I've ended up right now and thinking about the, uh, the email to us and in response to that and how grateful I am for what the system taught me, I, I think that... I think that where I've ended up is I'm more curious at this point in time about the 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 symphony of all of the paces yeah. and understanding how I can maximize my potential within that chorus of all the different paces and what I'm learning and what I've been doing and y'all I'm two months into this and I'm already more fit than I've ever been Mm. I'm, I'm doing stuff that, you know, it's off the beaten path, but it's the, the psychological aspect that, that I've been diving into and really listening to the body about recovery and responding to that and coming to the Thursday speed economy workouts and skipping them when my body's not into it. it you know, all of the little things is, I just, I'm more curious right now about a world where I understand that cocktail, that symphony, that chorus of all the different systems. And I really think that, and if you're, and if you're listening to this and you're like, well, this dude is just kind of like operating at a low level, I would say, wait till, wait till April. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, seriously, just, I mean, I'll, I'll give you all, I'll give you an update down the road. I mean, I'm already at, at race pace levels and I'm only a couple months into base phase and I don't even, I'm not even feeling it right now. So it's like, what was the impossible task is to throw down like a, a PR time that was like, that would eclipse the other time. And I'm like, oh, let's not think about that. Let's just think about getting base ready. Like what's the, what's the best possible performance in a base phase, honoring the base phase and not cheating the base phase. And that to me is already it's already blowing my mind. So yep. if it like if, if the level up in the periodization when the when the actual block starts, that to me is uncharted territory. Well, and I think this is a critical piece. You talked about the symphony. 
And the symphony is a spectrum of paces. Um, and this gets into a concept I'm really into. We should do an episode on this at one mm-hmm. point about how I don't think that exercise physiology done in a lab is effective to is, is, is as effective as everybody thinks it is. Cause I've made arguments about this in the past, but learning, knowing that, um, five seconds faster than your 5k pace, 10 seconds slower than your 5k pace and all the paces in between every single pace that there is, mm-hmm. is giving you a benefit, some kind of physiological benefit, but, and you don't need to know exactly what those are. You know, those, those folks who are really into the science can try to figure that out. But what's most important is that what you just described is you're, you're, you're playing in the symphony and you're trying to get a feel for what it feels like because you're bought, because you want to learn how to recover and you want to learn how to push and you want to know intuitively when to push and not necessarily look at your watch and your watch tells you now it's time to yeah, push. Proper communication with the plan, with the coach, with the protocol, with and the that race, requires, with the goal. And that requires a trust in yourself and a trust in your ability to tell what's going on there. In a sense, it's like asking someone to play an instrument that they don't know how to play. If you haven't learned how to play a saxophone, you're just going to squawk. You're not even actually going to be able to use that reed effectively, and you're probably not going to make any noise. And if you do, it's going to sound terrible. But you have to, there's so many pieces of the puzzle you have to learn just to be good at using the instrument. Mm-hmm. The Mavitone method is fantastic for learning how to be learning your instrument. But if you don't put a, a, another other other instruments in the play, if you don't get a symphony going, then you don't know all of what's possible with those musical notes. You don't know what's possible in your body and you're not really listening to it effectively. So this is for a couple different folks out there. Yeah. This is for people exploring the beautiful art of the math method. And this is also for the folks who have no idea what that would entail. So we're inviting you humbly to kind of just take a look at all the different spectrums. Life is a balance. Got to meet somewhere in the middle. But most importantly, I think that that what it's going to entail, you got to dig deep. You got to get authentic with your what you're thinking and feeling. And if you try and suppress that, I don't I don't know if you're going to get to the goal and unscathed. I mean, I've never done it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, that was fun. Um, we should do it again sometime, Michael. Yeah, it'd be fun to uh, <laughs> it'd be fun to revisit this one for sure. It would be awesome to get other listeners to send us their questions, and we'd we'll, we we. Uh, it, it, we, as we did with Carrie Ann, it took us a little while to get to it. I think she sent that a month ago, but it took us a little bit to get to the, to the episode, ass. but we did. So hopefully if you guys enjoyed it, let us know, do the like and subscribe and all those other things that actually are supposed to happen and help the algorithm as they say, tickle the algorithm, I, but we really don't care. So what we really care is those people who are listening are having a good time. And if you are, and you've got a question ask, we'd love to, we'd, we'll, we'll, we'll do a deep dive on it. If we feel like it, it fits where we're at and where we're going. So. All right. Thanks to everybody who's listening. Godspeed.